to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. Evening, Ash. How's it going? Evening, Greg. Very, very good. Very, very chill tonight. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah. About the same. I'm aching. I've been uh, training all weekend, so yeah. You're training for it. Well, fights. <laughs> so I've done done a boxing session yesterday. Done a kickboxing session, and then next Saturday I start MMA classes. So. I hit 40 and I had a bit of a crisis on my hands. I got a tattoo, my first tattoo, and I took up kickboxing. And five years later, I've decided I'm going to uh, expand that a little bit and try some cage fighting. Talking of all indulging, if you have a bit too much and you're ready to start January, with a kickstart with the healthy living, the cutting out of crappy food, starting exercise more, we have the perfect products for you. We do. It's a portable blender that delivers game-changing technology to make smoothies, shakes, mixed drinks, wherever you go. Uh, it's called BlendJet, and they ship worldwide for free. And awesome. if you use the link below in the show notes um, or go on their website which we'll put the notes on as well and use the a promo code that we will issue you with you can get 12% off and as I say free worldwide delivery so there's no excuse not to start 2023 with a bang awesome and it is on offer on the website at the minute and you get an extra 12% off yes. with our bonus code and that's automatically applied at your checkout as well, which if you use our link, which is cool. And it all helps to support the the podcast. So if you're going to buy a blender anyway, buy one through us, help us, and get a discount as well. Yeah. How about you, Ash? Yeah, good. Good. Looking forward to chatting to our guest tonight, yes. who is Vinny Adams joining us. Uh, creator of the Disclosure sort of team, profile, channel, YouTube, Instagram, and sort of been involved in a couple of documentaries. So thank you, Vinny. Thank you very much for chatting to us. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Uh, I can't wait for the conversation. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. So I guess before we get into sort of everything that you want to talk about, so just um, always just like to do just a little intro on yourself, how you got into the whole sort of phenomena, uh, which is quite apt, really. When we talk about documentary um but yeah so how did how did you get to where you are now i guess I, i'm like a lot of people growing up sci-fi was my thing you know i was born in the late 70s so by the early 80s and we had all the star wars stuff and you know i was just addicted to that kind of thing so throughout my childhood it was always kind of sci-fi alien movies and stuff like that but then i suppose when i hit my 20s i started sort of picking up on documentaries and things like that and they always left me with uh, way more questions than answers. And so my curiosity just kept developing over the years to the point where I think about 13 years ago, I sort of decided to just start researching and, you know, spent many a night just sat in front of my computer screen delving through, you know, declassified documents and 
and really trying to piece together this uh, puzzle that we all love so much. And here we are now, I suppose, like, you know, still doing it. Definitely, definitely. So before we go into sort of your work, uh, I know you a couple of years ago, was it last year, maybe 2021, when you joined the UAP media team? Yeah. Uh, what's, what's sort of something I never really asked before, because we've had, I think we've had all of you lot on, apart from Dan. He keeps saying he's going to come on. <laughs> he's elusive. Um, <laughs> elusive, Dan. Um, so yeah, how did you sort of that come about, becoming sort of part of the UAP Media UK team? Well, I came across those guys, I think, early in 2021 when they were, I think they were, some of them were on Coast to Coast with George Knapp. And I was like, wow, there's, there's this really professional team looking at the UFO subject in the UK. And I was like, that's, you know, something I could only really dream of. And then about, I don't know, just over six months later, and it was the sort of early days of my YouTube channel, and I invited them all on to sort of have a, a panel discussion. And I just said after the uh, interview, I said, look, if there's anything I can do to help you guys, you know, just let me know. And I think literally a day or two later that I got a call from Dan just saying, funny you should say that because, you know, we've been watching your work for a while and we'd like to invite you to join the team. So I was just like blown away. And yeah, it's just been an amazing experience. They're such a good, hardworking bunch of guys. You know, I can honestly say they're a really, really good group of friends now as well. Um and between us all, I think we we add something to the topic, you know. Definitely, so you're in good company. There's some, like, say, some great work and great people there. So we've sort of with with our group, we've identified in the conferences that we put on. Uh, like Andy and Dan have always been supportive, promoting it, being a part of it, and things like that. So it's always been good to see their growth sort of around the same time as ours. Yeah, yeah. Of, seeing that sort of mirrored, so that's been awesome to see. Like, like David Clark and. Ryan Sprague joining more recently as well. It's just it's, it's such a, a name-filled team, really, that doing good work. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so last year, I guess, let's keep it on sort of UAP media for a minute. Uh, you were involved in this sort of unearthing of the Calvine photo that sort of went a bit viral last autumn, was it? No? It was, it was August. Yeah. Quite a while ago now. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, so, um, I mean, yeah. I know that you did a lot of work with David Clark, sort of finding out the, the uh, Craig Lindsay and everything else to do with that photo. Obviously, it's been a few months now. Is there anything sort of on that case that you've been working on that you can tell us? Anything new or still going on? I mean, that? it is. It's still going on. And we've literally, from the, the day after the, the photograph was released, we were on just on the case. Just We just want to get it to the, you know, to the end of the case we want to know more details and it's been and still is a very difficult case to research being like 32 30 nearly 33 years ago so many people who uh, were involved in it have just disappeared they simply we cannot find them some people have passed away unfortunately um so it's it's tricky we've we've gone down many different avenues and leads where you know we've spent weeks and then we just hit brick walls and have to go and start all over again and we're still, you know, down a couple of those avenues at the moment. You know, I speak to the guys literally every single day. And unfortunately, we don't have any major updates. You know, I'd like to sort of say that, yes, we've found a few names and things. But at the moment, we don't want to release them. Um, we want to keep it under wraps until we feel like we've got something, you know, good to announce publicly. So I, I always say I'll promise people as soon as we get something, people will hear about it. And that's kind of it. It's frustrating, but that's the reality of investigations, unfortunately. 
So what do you think the object is? Do you think it's US tech, our tech, other tech, off-world tech? What What's your thoughts on it? I'm leaning, and I have been for a long time, leaning towards uh, US tech. And that's based solely on some of the sources that we speak to in British intelligence that worked on the case back in 1990 and the, the few years afterwards. It hasn't been proven to me that that's what it was. So I'll always ha- hold a little bit back of other possibilities. Maybe we've been misled. You know, I, I can't put 100% into that without actual data and details and evidence. So, but that's where I, my head's at, really. Cool. So is there anything sort of you can tell us that UAP media are working on? So I know obviously you do a lot behind the scenes. Um, I know we don't always we always we don't always see that on like social media and stuff. Is there anything sort of cool like maybe not even tell what it is, but something is going to come a bit further down the line? Is there anything sort of going on? There is, yeah. I I, I can't talk about it unfortunately because it's <laughs> not my place to do so. I wish I could, you know, but. It's great because we continue to to sort of work on our individual projects and then we obviously speak regularly about uh, plans for the future and how we can sort of do more. Um, And so, yeah, there are things in the works that we'll see this this year, probably in the second half of the year, I'd imagine. Um, But at the moment, yeah, it's just a case of we're working out, you know, we always like to try and do more articles and case studies and things like that. So we're all starting now that the new year's behind us and, and that we're starting to put our heads together on that. But at the same time, uh, a lot of us are extremely busy with our own personal projects. So it's going to be a busy first six months. Cool. I guess talking of individual projects, um, well, Dan was involved with this as well, is the last year going down to Columbia uh, with your... I'm gonna, I was talking to Greg the other day about this and I could not We talked about it last night, weren't we? Okay. Phenom- about 10 attempts. Phenom- phenomenal. Phenom- phenomenal. Phenomenology. Phenomenology. <laughs> Phenomenology. <laughs> there we go. Tongue <laughs> <a> twister. <laughs> How embarrassing that is. I didn't get that right. <laughs> no, it's not the easiest word. You know, I remember the early days. It was like, oh my goodness, this, having to say this is going to be a, a struggle. But then after like a, nearly a year of saying it, it kind of just comes naturally now. But yeah, I understand the, the difficulties. There's too many O's. In- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, so yeah, so sort of talking about the first time you went there. So now you're going there shortly. Yeah. How did that all come about? How did you get involved in going down to Colombia? I mean, that's pretty exciting just to get out to a different country so far away. Yeah. How did it all happen? So it was in my earlier days, sort of publicly, when I was kind of more just an Instagram presence more than anything else, I was contacted by an account called UAP Columbia. And I was just chatting to them and they were kind of filling me in on some of the local folklore and the cases that, that they have down there. And it took me a while to work out that it was actually a guy called Ashley Cowie, Scottish guy who lives in Colombia. And, you know, I realized who that was when he said the name, because, you know, he's been all over the travel channel over the years and ancient aliens and things like that. So that was, you know, a real eye opener for me. So we just got to talking and we were having a lot of private zoom calls and he kept saying to me, he wants to put a team together to, to investigate this mysterious light phenomenon in the mountains by his house. And you know, it was also incredible to hear about, but I never thought anything would materialize from it. And then I suppose getting towards the end of 2021, he uh, he said, right, we're doing it. I'm putting the team together. I'm going to fly you out here and, you know, we'll get some members of the public to sort of join and help the funding process of it. 
and literally within a matter of weeks it was it was booked and we had a team together and that was it, it was just a countdown till february of 2022 when we we sort of flew out and met for the first time and just got straight to it and it was uh yeah it was eye-opening i never expected to be flying to south america to investigate my first sort of ufo case so yeah it was incredible uh so i mean great thing i guess for those that maybe not sort of know about documentary phenomenology it's about the strange lights that have been seen for, for years and years and it's similar to Hess darling lights and you've got the martha lights in texas as well which are sort of lights that are seen but not really you can't really figure out what they are so when you were there sort of have you got any closer to uncovering what they are after being being in there uh, not so much uncovering what they are um i think that part of it is still anomalous to us because we went out there in season one to just try and see the lights for ourselves you know these are a really rare occurrence and we were you know we, we spent the two weeks that we were there interviewing locals and witnesses and to these people they were seeing ufos they were seeing all sorts of weird and wonderful things you know but we were lucky that you know literally the day before we left i got to witness this this light phenomena and it just made us realize that we need more systems to kind of analyze what it could be so we always knew we would try and do season two and, and maybe even more so we've kind of made sure this time that we're going to be having uh, more equipment to take out so that if we do see it again we can actually start doing some serious analysis but you know i've been researching earth lights and strange and similar phenomena for the last year now since i got back and so i have a lot more in my mind about the, the possibilities but again it would need to it would need data just to conclude anything I guess, because I know with the Hestarland lights, we've talked about it on the podcast before, you've got mm-hmm. the sort of the geographical layout of these valleys and, and the types of rocks and stuff that are sort of on these mountains. Is that similar to what to what's happening in? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost identical. You know, we did we did work out while we were there the first time that the valley that the mountain range is in, it sits in a, one of the peaks sits in a negative charge, the other's in a positive charge, and there's an underground sulfur river. So in, in essence, it forms like a natural battery. So with maybe certain times of the year with certain pressure changes or, or things happening geologically, that it could create these lights and, and eject them out of the mountain face. So, you know, we, we feel like that's as far as we got, and I'm just itching to find out more. So do you think it's more of a like a natural phenomena rather than say um something else uh, like an entity-based thing so like the starland lights because the the starland lights is one of the the phenomena that i've been interested in going back like decades when i first started looking into uh, like um unidentified like mysteries with us i think you're roughly about my age I think so. I grew up with um, Arthur C. Clarke and um, before the X-Files and before the internet. So Her Style and Lights was one of these sort of mysteries that was on Arthur C. Clarke a lot. And it was always one that I've I've really sort of been fascinated by because it, it people see it and the locals just accept that, that it's that. That's what it is. It's just these lights. And I know with Hestalen, there it's almost like daily occurrences. At one point, they were they were able to take school kids up there, watch them. Um, so yeah, my my question really is around: Is it like you say, where the battery sort of layout as such? 
do you feel it's more of a natural occurrence than a supernatural occurrence or or whatever you want to call it yeah no that's a great question yeah. and and i guess my the easy answer would be yes i do think it's more of something natural but then yeah. within that answer with some of the research that i've been doing you know it it could be some kind of extremely unknown phenomenon that we're still not aware of you know uh, on this world and sometimes these lights act as if they're conscious you know or if they're intelligently moving and so even if they're formed within the earth there are still some paranormal supernatural effects that are witnessed with them so that then throws up even more questions so you know which to figure it out we need to try and separate what's normal what's natural what's otherworldly what's paranormal they're all still in the mix to me uh, i won't rule anything out um but even if it does turn out to be something kind of mundane and prosaic you know it's something that i feel to get to the end of an investigation is you know it feels good no matter what it turns out to be because you can kind of push it to one side tick that box and move on so i'm just excited to kind of you know continue the research and studies and i think Definitely. that's that's one of the things with with um, the ufology, with paranormal, uh, and, and with sort of natural occurrences, that there's it's always seems to be one step ahead of where everybody is. So, like the, the Calvine photo comes out thirty years after it was taken, and it's like so everybody's kind of like it, it's this mythical thing. Then it appears, and we're actually probably no further closer to deciding and discovering what it is even though we've got more evidence in our hands so i think that's one of the good things about this this community and everybody's working towards the same thing but everybody's just that little bit behind and it's the that's the frustrating frustratingly good thing about it because it pushes everybody on and like you say you try to get to the end of the case but certainly with like Tic Tac stuff, we're even with the Starland lights and and these lights. There's just just that little bit you can't quite get the closure on, and I think that's what keeps has kept me going for decades. And I know with Ash, me and Ash talk all the time, so I know he's passionate about it. And I think it's the one thing that drives us all. It's just that oh, just a little bit further. A little bit further. It's like gold miners, yeah. the people that do the gold mining. They're always just like, oh, I found this bit of gold. We There's going to be more around here. There's going to be more. So I think um, not knowing what the answer is is almost as good as knowing what it is. Because once, yeah. once you put that case to bed, it's kind of like, ah, oh, what am I going to do now? But. It's, there's always something yeah there <laughs> is always it's something. the topic that keeps on giving isn't it so. it is and that's the thing you know i see a lot of people on social media saying mm. oh I, we need something new i'm there's been nothing happening for a few weeks it's a down period and like well there's so much you can do as a person instead of sitting around waiting for something to happen or a photo to come out go and do some research just i say this to people all the time keep your mind busy if you want to keep thinking about ufos and it's always on your mind go and do something in you know even if it's baby steps it feels like you're actually doing something positive for the subject you know the more people doing stuff the better so you know there's that aspect of it as well you know i understand the frustrations because the down periods do feel just like 
nothing is happening and you know we do hear people say oh but stuff's happening behind the scenes but and that's but that is genuinely true stuff is and people can get involved in that themselves so yeah i don't know kind of what the point i was trying to make but do you think we've been spoiled recently so since like 2017 i think that's probably the recent sort of um sort of page turner for for ufology is is like the new york times article and do you think since then we've been quite spoiled in terms of there's the congressional hearings there's these reports coming out or not coming out and everything's happened fairly quickly in the space of five years whereas before that we were all looking back to like area 51 roswell and there was nothing sort of definitively close to everybody's timeline that was alive that we could sort of get our teeth into. And I think now mm. we've been spoiled. So when something doesn't happen for a few weeks, it's just like, oh, and then UFO Twitter goes to UFO <laughs> Twitter and, and, and goes into a strange place. But, yeah, I think we've, we've been spoiled um, in terms of the amount of information that's come out the last few years. And it's testament to, to guys like you – Andy, Dan, everybody um, at UAP Media as well, and like Ryan and Ash's team that like just pushing forward and having the conferences, having the conversations. I think it's thanks to you that we have this massive wealth of information coming out that we we haven't had up to like a few years ago. So. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think one thing is a lot of people have got into the subject post 2017. And so all they've seen is a regular release of information or something happening. They, they weren't there for the previous <laughs> 75 years. And so, the, you know, they just expect it to keep happening and new stuff coming all the time. But obviously, for people that are a bit more of a veteran in the game, let's say, you know, we were used to that over the, the previous years and decades. And so, yeah, we have been spoiled in the last five years. Um, and it, it's, it is, it's down to teamwork across the pond from all aspects. So, and I say this all the time, is that it's all good to do your individual research, but don't be afraid to reach out to people as well because you get a hell of a lot more done when you put your heads together. And that's something that I continue to to really sort of fall behind, you know, is teamwork and, and collaborations. Yeah, like, like, like sort of Greg saying there about sort of UFO Twitter, I think this, especially nowadays, everyone's used to instant information. Yeah. Like, say we've got all these videos, US government saying these, these UFO videos are real, and something that we never sort of had that from the US government before. And then when you go a period of time with nothing happening, and then someone will come on and say, I've got something to announce. And then everyone jumps on the hype train, and that comes out, and there's a lot of shit. And then it's like, <laughs> and they get then shit on them for hyping something up. It's just getting that circle until something comes. Like that's real, like sort of good. Getting that circle. I mean, I, I, I should be on Twitter more, but I just get fed up, fed up with it yeah. sometimes. And too much fighting and arguing and no, fake accounts and stuff. It, it, oh just... man, it's it's a minefield, and it's funny, yeah, because you know, obviously, we were doing the the work to get the Calvin photograph, and you know, I I'd seen the 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 original photocopy getting on for a year before we released the photograph, and I just wanted to scream it from the rooftops that we had this thing and we were yes we didn't have the the color photograph and and that but it was still a huge progression in this old case um and you know 
obviously I didn't shout it from the rooftops because I could see what would happen to, to pit me because, you know, of what everyone else has been through. So, yeah, it's a difficult thing to navigate, especially with the, the haters, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> so on the flip side of that, talking about community, going back to Columbia, mm. watching the, the episodes in the documentary series and so, talking to the locals and the sort of researchers down there, and like you say, said earlier, but it's a bit like, oh, yeah, yeah, we have UFOs, they come. It's just like sort of part of the life. It reminded me a little bit of Moment Contact in Virginia, where you go to that town and there's like the monuments. Is there a sign in the street saying, come and talk to us, you know anything about this? It's just like, mad the people coming over and talking, people sort of accept it as part of their things. It seems very similar like that in, in Columbia. It is. It's everywhere. You know, it, the murals on the walls in all the local towns are just depictions of the local mountains with UFOs in the sky. And, you know, we stuck out like a sore thumb walking around as well, you know, com- compared to, and, and people cottoned on pretty quickly while we were there. So we had so many people just coming up to us and wanting to tell their UFO stories and things like that every single day. It, it was amazing, you know, because they were so welcoming and it is just ingrained in local culture, like it's as, as normal as going to the shop. You know, it's oh, they would talk about UFOs, and we did host one night where we had a load of locals over to our uh, headquarters, and we just talked. I mean, I was in my element because I could talk UFOs all day and night with anybody in the world, and yeah, it was just incredible to see it. And it's great that there's no stigma or taboo, and I think that we should take a, a leaf out of their book in in the kind of in the US, in the UK and, and other parts of Europe, I think if we did, we'd find that we'd probably learn a lot more as well because, you know, we wouldn't have so many people being afraid to come forward and tell their stories. So, yeah, it, that'd be a good thing. Is there any sort of government stance on it in down there in Colombia? Is there any sort of official word from, from them? Not in particularly governmental, but, I mean, for example, in the local towns, all the kind of local politicians, the mayor and the police and all those kind of authority figures, they are UFO believers just as much as the people, the town folk, you know. We asked the, we asked the police, uh, you know, have you seen the lights? And they laughed at us and we were like, oh, should, probably shouldn't have said that they were like they're not lights they're ufos it's just like <laughs> stupid <laughs> like, so yeah and, and the mayor the mayor just is like yep yeah, it's ufos we've we know we've known about it and it's ingrained in our in our society and that's that and that, there's no two ways about it so yeah it's crazy it's crazy so talking about mentioning the uk there and the stigma and i think that's sort of still seen as like a tabloid sort of topic over here and I see that every day because on our website we have a database of all the media articles in the UK by any local national newspapers and we document it all every month there's like every single article on there to see mm. and the, like the newspapers that do do the most articles are the red tops but some of them are good to be fair to them there's some that um well I don't want to name certain newspapers but they, to be fair to them they have done some good articles despite being a red top, but then yeah. you get the other side of it where it's like, turn my wife into the Snickers and all this. Sort of in your time, since you started doing all this, have you seen a change in the UK? In yeah, absolutely. Top? And as a, you know, I won't n- mention particular newspaper names too, but with uh, UAP Media UK, we have been working quite well with some of the 
said newspapers and individual journalists in particular and we've been helping them set the tone for some of these articles and you know keeping out the uh, sensationalist headlines and 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 stuff like that and it's it's been really good they're really they're really up for it and you know we we've been providing them quotes to kind of give it some validity as well and it, so we are starting to see so, some of it sort of turn away from the the nonsense let's say but i think it's still early days you know we've got to remember that newspapers sell with sensationalist headlines sometimes so we kind of have to expect a little bit of the alien hunter headlines every now and again but yeah we are definitely getting there and it's nice now that some of the journalists and papers are coming directly to us to say you know have you got any stories that you think are worthwhile publishing and and we go back and forth with where they're structuring the articles so we're getting there and i think it's a good thing do you feel that there's any kind of narrative that certain papers are trying to give so or do you feel that they're maybe being steered by other people that are interested in this topic staying um underground as it were and keeping it out of the public eye in a serious sense so they're they'd be happy for it to come out as the alien hunters from mars or or whatnot um and i'm talking maybe um, any kind of government agency that wants to kind of steer a narrative that people are crazy and tinfoil hats and all that kind of stuff. Do you get that impression when the journalists are contacting you that there's any kind of narrative they're trying to push on you? Or do you feel that they are genuinely open to to hearing what you've got to say? Yeah, I think you know it's there's a certain split. Some of them are really just genuinely looking to find a good story and report it yeah. honestly. Others are definitely just going for the let's just get the amount of people we can to read it, and we don't the really care about the story yeah. and the clickbait. Absolutely, and you know it doesn't help that the UK government and the Ministry of Defence doesn't comment on the subject. I think anybody who do, does research here in the UK knows that you get the same boilerplate responses when you contact them for information or freedom of information requests. The same with the the newspapers. They very rarely get any kind of comment and they usually sort of, or they used to go to a, a certain, I shall not name, XMOD official to, <laughs> to get their quotes. And I, I think that's changing. I think they're sort of learning that there are, there is more to it. But yeah, I think in the UK, we're still playing catch up with the US press and it's normally kind of cut and paste as well from what happens over there. So I'm hoping that will change in the next few years, depending on the what we see in the in the next year or two with regards to the the laws in America, the National Defense Authorization Act, and any potential hearings and things like that. So we'll see. Do you think you mentioned there sort of the UK playing catch up to the US? Do you think that's sort of what's happening with, with the government and with the, with the media? Because in the original wording, it was in last year's one, like the task force saying about working with the Allies. Stuff like this, you think surely that's got to include the UK, so they wait in sort of the nod from the US before they sort of say anything or get involved rather than sort of saying off our own back, this is what we're doing. I think there's been, yeah, that was announced in the t fiscal year 2022 NDAA, and there's been conversations definitely had between the UK and the US. Uh, the same with all of the countries under the Five Eyes Alliance with Australia, New Zealand, and Canada as well. I mean, they share the JWIC server system where a lot of these classified and unclassified videos are sitting that we all know exist but haven't seen publicly yet. So, yeah, it's it's for sure that conversations are definitely happening. But 
it does always take the US to take a major step in the public eye, whether it be hearings or a report or something like that for the UK to then start maybe talking about it a little bit. But even then, we're not seeing as much as we'd want at all, to be honest. I mean, this last year or the last six months, the the Ministry of Defence released some more UFO files into the National Archives and there was not one single announcement that they'd done it. So if you weren't looking, you wouldn't have found it. And that just goes to, it says everything about what they're talking about publicly, which you know is nothing. Yeah, so talking about FOA, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I think I talked about it on Twitter. Is I've had quite a big back and two with the air security act or whatever they're called. Yeah. Somewhere he, he came across quite, it's like he was shouting at me in an FOA response. <laughs> you could feel the frustration. What you're saying, he's basically blaming us, the community, for them getting behind with their work and all sorts in this FOIA response. It's like, we're reaching them. We are, we are getting <laughs> under the under the teeth a little bit. And it's just surprised reading it. It's like, I feel like I've been told off here in this uh, <laughs> FOIA. I'll have to dig it out and show you. The guys are like, what? That's amazing. <laughs> it was like, wasn't that. at all. It was like, you're like, you are annoying us. You are putting this about work and stuff. And this response was like, wow, okay. Wow. <laughs> just, just funny, just funny. That's hilarious. My goodness. Um, so going sort of a bit all over the place here. That's all good. Uh, but yeah, you're going back to Columbia. Yes. Um, in April, I believe. April so, the 5th. April the 5th. Cool. Only yeah, a couple of months away. Yeah. Excited. I suppose knowing, sort of knowing a bit more now, uh, you're a bit more excited because you know what you've got to do, what you're going to do differently this time. Is it looking forward to that? Yeah, absolutely. We kind of, we don't have to find our feet. We can kind of jump straight in. The team is almost going to be twice the size this year as well. So we've got a lot more heads to kind of put together. Um, but we're also expanding the investigation. We're still going to be in the valley looking at the mountain, but we're going to be going slightly away from that as well, looking at a couple of other hot spots. There's, a, there's an old inactive volcano with a lake now in, in the ring, and it's it's the origin story of El Dorado. The lost city of gold originates there. But in this lake, people and locals for years have claimed that they see UFOs leaving the water and entering the water. So we're going to go and check all that out and investigate there, speak to the local tribes that live on that that area. And so, yeah, just just a bigger project like than last time. Um, so, yes, it's so exciting. Is Dan going again? He is indeed, yeah. He's currently in Mexico and I'm meeting him in Colombia. So I think he'll be there a little bit before me to to get the best bedroom in the house. But <laughs> It was great following you guys on Twitter last year with like the daily video updates and stuff on, on the lives. And that was really cool to see it sort of in action. Like we've just been doing this today and we're doing yeah, this Yeah, that was cool. Really. I, I like, and to I... see it come together in the documentary when it came out and the episode was, was awesome. Yeah, we're definitely going to be doing that again. Uh, me and Dan have both been talking about it we're going to start doing and probably a little bit bigger and better on that front as well you know before it was kind of like selfie cam like one minute video uploads every day or two this time i think we're going to try and do a little bit more you know make it a little bit more professional looking but it's hard to say i mean it's easy to say that now we'll see when we're in the thick of it whether that actually turns out or not but we'll still be doing updates of some sort awesome i mean it's great it's great going down next it's also it's always good to sort of hear the lesser talked about Case okay, so there'd be a lot of people that have never heard of these Columbia lights yeah. or the lights, and he's bringing that to your attention. And with the social sort of presence that you guys have got, to, it's just a change of pace to see, like I say, something different. And that's what we like to talk about on here is the lesser known stories. If you've never told your story before, come on and tell it. So it's out there. So that's that's really, really good as well. 
Absolutely, I agree. And this is the thing when I've tried to look into unknown cases, the more work you do on them, you start to do find links with some of the more well-known cases. So yeah, you're just adding to the the melting pot of information. It's just always a positive to be able to make these links and connections. So yeah, it's exciting just to, to kind of do that. I think, um, like you just said, the by talking about the lesser known ones and the one so people you've got all the standard cases that people go to you got like skinwalker ranch everybody knows about skinwalker ranch so we we spoke to john edmonds at stardust ranch which is a similar yeah. ranch and even more of an insane story and then we've spoken to other people about other um ranches we've done an episode on ranches and you there's all these things that sort of come out and you go actually can see the link there we spoke to a guy in south africa we spoke to him a couple of times about stuff that he's recording on a daily basis from his drone above fire and it all starts off with like these red and blue orbs that he's seeing in the streets when he was growing up and then you you look at the um skinwalkers at the pentagon book and they're, they're talking about all these different colored orbs that are following following them and been seen and then you got the hitchhiker effect and this guy in south africa had all like this radiation burns on his face from these this close sort of proximity experience that he's had and we put these stories out there and we speak to all these people and there are so many new bits of information that you can link to all the famous cases and it, i think it just makes it even more legitimate yeah that these people are telling their story and for the and the the thing is you can speak to people and as you know when when you speak to somebody and you look at them in the eye even if it's just over zoom call or a teams call or whatever you get a sense of the experience they've had and whether or not it's affecting them because over an audio podcast it's quite difficult to get that that sort of sense but we've spoken to this guy and he claimed he was being abducted by entities daily uh, every night and at one point he was he was talking some really dark stuff that he was personally how it was affecting him and you could see it in his face and it doesn't come across in in audio so much and with the audio it, it kind of feels like this too fantastical kind of story that's coming out but when you see someone's face and they're telling it you for the first time to anybody and they're looking at you in the eye and doing it it's it's very profound so how how did you feel when you were speaking to the guy there's that old old guy in Colombia that was telling his his story obviously you can you didn't speak his language um I get that but did you get a sense from him that that it, it was like a, a legitimate thing that was happening to him. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and you know, it, it's very difficult sometimes when speaking to experiences because no matter how out there some of their stories may be, I always have to remain respectful, number one, of them as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really a case of do I believe them. It's a case of that they believe what they're saying and, you know, that's enough for me. It doesn't take me out of the equation. And my opinion really isn't important when someone's telling their story. And I found that with that guy in Colombia, you know, you can see the, the the passion and there's so many different emotions on on his face. And 
And, and like I said, this is something that I see regularly when speaking to experiencers. So I think as long as they're treated with the respect and, and that that they're owed, then I think, you know, it's just great to be able to hear all these stories and, again, reduce the stigma and taboo that sur surrounds that aspect of the phenomenon as well. Because, you know, for many years, so many have said, you know, I was just too scared to come forward because of the, you know, being made fun of or being made to think that I'm crazy and all that. And so it's good to see that it, a lot more have been speaking. And I think that's all been a, a knock-on effect of what's been happening in the past five years as well. And the community coming together in, you know, as much as we have the negative side of the community, I think the positive outweighs it and really does help support people. And then we have amazing support groups as well now popping up for experiences. So, yeah, I think that's a long-winded answer to your question, but yeah. I hope that, that covers it. But the, then you you look back at some of the like the, the famous people that have been talking. So, for, for example, the one that comes to my mind is Bob Lazar. And you talk right. about people not wanting to come out of a story because of fear of um, being ridiculed, affecting their life in a negative way, friends disown him. And Bob Lazar came out when it was completely not cool to be talking about UFOs and aliens. And he's, whether whether you believe what he said or or not, he he's put it out there without that fear he's sort of one of the the pioneers of getting his story out and um i think the more you see the stigma being sort of like squashed nowadays i think you have to look back to bob lazar and people like him that and, and travis walton for example another one where back in the, the, those days not, not that long ago to be fair but just saying it out loud would put you out of your friendship circle. So I don't know really what I'm trying to say, but I think I've got more respect for Bob and say people like Travis Walton now knowing what people are like just with anything out of the ordinary slightly. And that was massively out of the ordinary. Um, so to be pushing his story all the time for 20, 30 years, I don't know. Does that legitimize him, whether you believe him or not? I, I, I think I do, but I, I know people don't. Yeah, I think that's the thing: is take the belief out of it. Bob, the Bob Lazar mm. story opened up the, the the world of UFOs and the strange in Area Fifty One to a whole mm. new public oh, yeah. back in the late eighties, early nineties. So for that, that was all. That will always be a good thing, whether you believe mm -hmm. him or not, is a different story. I can't say either way. After mm. so many years, it almost seems harder to come to a conclusion on Bob Lazar. So he kind of just sits just off my peripheral, just yeah. always there, always aware of it. But I, yeah. I just, I can't really go there. The water's too muddy these days with yeah. that case. And so, yeah, unless 100%. he's unless he's put in front of Congress and he's told to say something that you know he hasn't talked about publicly before, maybe that needs to happen. Or we get more data and information that's been hidden for thirty odd years, but who knows? Yeah, I agree. So, talking of experiences, I know you had like sort of you saw the lights in Colombia towards the end of your trip. You had any experiences before then, growing up or as as an adult? No, is the short answer, and I, I say that because I've seen a few strange things in the sky over the sort of past couple of decades obviously spending a lot more time looking up in those in that time and i've seen things but automatically gone straight to you know trying to work out airplane routes and paths and stars and things like that and so i've always within a 
quite a short amount of time being able to put it down to something prosaic and you know which is obviously disappointing because i really want to see something uh completely wild and out there but no unfortunately the the first anomalous thing would be the the lights in columbia yeah we also speak to a lot of people that they have a ufo experience later in life i will say later in life as a like as an adult but they've actually had paranormal experiences growing up and i wonder with the the kind of people that you've been speaking to whether or not that reflects in some of the stories that that they tell of their experiences where they've seen ufos maybe on and off throughout their life but they've also had like poltergeist activity that seems to be quite a popular that's the wrong word but a common occurrence when we're speaking to people who've had ufo experiences throughout their life is that it starts with poltergeist activity of some kind and i don't know if you found that when speaking to people i definitely have it you know it's, it's great that you said that because you know over the years the sort of the paranormal side of uh, the research and everything just seems to be coming together more and more and overlapping and correlating with each other that there is possibly some relationship between the phenomena that we study and the the supernatural and the paranormal ghost spirits and all that kind of thing so i find that fascinating that, that there seems to be more and more connections in stories and testimonies that you see and hear so yeah i completely agree with what you said there totally cool so how how what are your thoughts on maybe the more spiritual side CE5 type sort of meditation? Is that something that you've, you've looked into? Well, then sort of nuts and bolts type. type um, I've, I've, I guess I've looked into it and spoken to enough people about it. I've not really tried it. Um, I just haven't been in the right place or frame of mind or, or things to do it. I'm a, I'm very much open to that kind of thing and certainly wouldn't, you know, sh- shut it down in the conversation because I don't, I don't know. I, I can't say it definitely works. It definitely doesn't work. And I respect anybody that is willing to put themselves out there and, you know, go and attempt those kind of things. I know, you know, we have mutual friends here in the UK who do a lot of the heist work in the north of England. And hopefully at some point this year, I might try and get out to something if they manage to put something on, because I do want to experience something like that for myself and not be uh naive or uneducated on on what that uh, involves you know i'm I, I like to keep an open mind and and just see what where it takes me and yeah yeah for me because i again i come sort of a more i want to see the stats want to see the data yeah, yeah. we have the biggest uk database and i want to see the figures or the numbers that's what sort of drives me yeah then obviously doing this podcast with greg i come so much more open to Every the other, like literally everything. You're welcome. And when we <laughs> put more work on me. Um, <laughs> and when we when we do things, when we do like paranormal investigations and stuff, and we either using like a, a spirit board or a spirit box, or just asking for the spirits, whatever they may be, to make themselves known or to reply or to make them show themselves to us. I think when you do, if you're doing CE five. It's the same thing. It's you're asking them to communicate with you to show themselves to you it's like is it all just the same thing it's just different ways of looking at it like we're doing effectively doing the same thing or if when you're talking to a spirit box is that a spirit talking to you or is that some other consciousness that's coming through the box is it is it all the same thing so my my sort of mind's been definitely opened in Mm. in that respect 
Definitely. And like, you know, a lot of friends that I've made in the community over the past couple of years come from that side of things as well. And, you know, they're amazing people. So again, when I talked earlier on about collaborations and working together, you know, I can learn from them about that aspect of the phenomenon, or I'll certainly ask the questions that I may want, you know, or things I find curious about it. And, you know, the same works both ways, you know, if they want anything that they feel that I could help them with. And so, yeah, it becomes a case of we all learn better together. I've become more open-minded and respectful of all different sort of uh, ways of thinking and belief systems and things like that. I know Ash has, <clears throat> because when, when we first started the podcast a couple of years ago, we, we've said this regularly, that to be having conversations with people who claim just in Bigfoot and then they, they look around uh, a breakfast time in their house and there's this like elf thing. No, man. No, no. Yeah, that's it. No, not an elf. And you're just like, and then we spoke to John Edmonds at Stardust Ranch who told us it killed 19 aliens with a samurai sword. And you're just like, how... How have we gone from a quick conversation on the internet about what UFOs and paranormal to now talking about these things on a daily basis? We're chatting daily about people who've had these profoundly weird experiences. And like you say, you have to, you have to take what these people say because you, you weren't there yourself and they're telling it you probably for the first time. And mm. we've gone from not knowing a great deal about our respective like paranormal and UFO side to now, I, d I don't even know what I know anymore. And people yeah. can tell me, <laughs> tell me an experience and I'd be like, that's cool. And they're talking about all these weird ships they see or being abducted in the middle of the night. And I'm just like, well, wow, okay, cool. Tell me more about that. <laughs> Whereas two years ago, I'd have been like, what the? Yeah. Totally. So, has, yeah so has your, sort of take i know you mentioned about how you you've changed but from when you sort of first got into it 13 14 years ago like you mentioned um where is your sort of mind frame gone from like ah oh, there's some lights in the sky that that's et up there to right what what's your opinion of what these things are now are they extraterrestrials they're future humans are they what do you think they are because it could be anything nowadays it really could yeah that's a good question yeah. and a very hard question but you're right early in the early days it was it's either something from you know, it's either something uh prosaic or it's extraterrestrial and they're coming through yeah. the vastness of space uh, and obviously nowadays, and for me, that has slipped right down the sort of pecking order. And, you know, we, we hear more about the ultra terrestrials, the interdimensional aspect, the crypto terrestrial, you know, something that is uh, of a non-human intelligence that live, lives here and has done possibly longer than we as a species have. So all of those kind of things now sit right up at the top for me. And there isn't one that I think is is more plausible than the other because of the, the pure amount of information that's out there. So, you know, I keep all these things on the proverbial, proverbial table in front of me and I don't put any of them off it until they can be conclusively proven to not be what it is that we're experiencing or looking at. So... Yeah, as much as they're all still on there, I still think the ET simple alien hypothesis is kind of slipped right down and it's a lot more complex than that. It doesn't seem that 
to me, like the the UFO side of it isn't my my strength. But coming into this, and you're thinking, well, these these grey aliens, they've come from Mars or wherever they've come from. Uh, that's it, really. But now we, as our journey's been going on for the last couple of years on the podcast, like you say, that kind of they're from outer space actually doesn't seem to fit anymore. Mm. And it, like you say, is a lot more complex than that. Um, and one question I, I've got that I, I was I was typing up when I, I know we don't really do questions as in advance, but I did actually, you'll be proud of me, Ash, I did come up with a few questions beforehand whilst I was watching the documentary. <clears throat> and one thing I wanted to ask you is, over like the last 70 years we're, and longer, you see the shapes of the UFOs, I say UFOs, UAPs, the, the spacecraft or whatever you want to call it, the nuts and bolts craft um, change slightly and they'll go from like these disc shape to then you go through the 80s and 90s where you've got like flight of the navigator type shiny objects and now to a tic-tac and also like a sphere with a black cube in it is one of the latest ones. Why do you, or do you have an opinion as to why the technology that we're being shown, if it's us being shown, changes and has changed over the last 70 years, so almost in line with our technology, because our craft are changing at the same sort of rate. Um, I just wondered what your opinion is on why the technology that we're seeing is changing and why is it all of a sudden become more of a conscious thing? I think it's pretty much kind of what you were saying there that I think the the hypothesis that really kind of sticks out to me is that these things, they show us what's familiar to us. So, you know, if you talk about historical, you know, ancient sightings of bulls of fire and chariots in the sky, that's something that the people at the time could um, associate with. They're familiar with that. And then we see, you know, we hear about airships in the late 1800s, and, you know, and then discs in the 40s yeah. leading up to the triangles when the stealth technology was becoming a thing you know so i think it it could well be that this uh, intelligence whatever it is is just making its presence known to us to be so we kind of in some way are familiar with what we're seeing even though at the same time the argument argument could be said that we have no idea what these things are and what we're seeing so you know it's it's a really difficult one to answer yeah. but there's some of the, okay, the big yeah. hypotheses that kind of stick in my head cool no, I appreciate it. Thank you. So, talking about the ET hypothesis, as it's kind of sad for me because, sort of, going back, I had my sighting when I was 10. And since then, I've always, that's when my interest started. And that's when I've been sort of interested in space, interested in where these are coming from. So, I've always had that belief in aliens in my head, like my whole life. Now I'm like, huh. It's, now I'm like, now like say it's coming down the pecking order, that, that's what I believe. It's kind of sad. It's like, I don't know if the sort of romantic side of it is like, these are coming, these are interspecies coming from wherever. It's just kind of sad that I'm kind of not believing that anymore. It's sort of less, it's like, I believe this for my whole life. Now I'm like, actually, maybe they're not coming out of space. I don't know why this made me feel a bit sad. I don't know. But no, aren't you glad you didn't grow up in like the 50s where they had all the alien films coming down where these were like brain-sucking monsters that <laughs> would take over your body and turn you into like this weird zombie. So I think 
growing up where you'll see an ET and this little character going around on a push bike uh, and phoning home is a lot better image to have of a of an alien as it were or an extraterrestrial than uh, these brain sucking ones that I remember watching when I was growing up so and you have to remember this could be more than one different thing as well so yeah. it may be that we do have this you know strange interdimensional ultra terrestrial entity as well but you know maybe there are little aliens as well still so you know you don't have to be upset just yet (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because like the the paranormal hoodie that i've got for the podcast says aliens exist on on top of it and that's what what i've always believed now i'm like do i did it exist (laughs) especially my own sort of thing you know yeah Yeah, but anyway i just thought we're just saying that then i just thought i'm a bit sad now (laughs) (laughs) and i have my whole life (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> anyways, so obviously you got a passion which is very, very apparent in all the work you do on social media, everywhere. What what drives it? What's been kept that drive for for so long? Uh, I think it's not just sitting back and, like we said earlier, you know, sitting back and waiting for things to happen is just frustrating, you know, because I don't, I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm. Uh, I'm expecting things from other people's hard work who go out there and, and do that and, you know, and give us the news and updates, developments on social media and YouTube interview platforms and things like that. I, you know, I, I always felt that, well, I can do that. I want to have these conversations. I want to research these cases. And, you know, that's just developed and developed more and more in the last couple of years. And and then obviously joining UAP Media, they really encouraging to say, you know, you need to start writing articles and, I'm not a writer, but, you know, I started started writing of some of the case studies I've done. And, you know, it's a forever expanding, uh, evolving position that I'm in. And so I, I just won't rest um, and think, well, I've done my part. That's enough now. I just, I'm just that kind of person that wants to to muck in and, and do their part. Cool. Like you say, that whole community side of it, being part of a team, really, really does help. Because when I started UFO Identified, it was just me. For the first couple of years, and it's like then because I want to do more and more. I want to do this. I want to do that. Yeah. I want to. Just when I first started, I could not find any information about the UK. It was all US stuff, and I searched. I tried to find local groups to join. There was nothing like around in the northwest about like lapis, but that's just a bit too far in Blackpool. It's like it's nothing. So I'm going to start my own, and that's what I did. I thought I'll go, I'm going to do find all the data myself, get collect all the sightings myself, and just did it. And then as it went on. I mean, there's now four of us that run the group and we put on like say the events and we've put all the information on the website and just having them around you just to, and, and Greg as well, not leaving Greg out. Um <laughs> but just it really does I don't do push much. you on. So um like I say just developing really does help working together. And when you go on Twitter and there's quite a lot of people on Twitter that are really, really sportive and yeah. They push each other up and help each other out and stuff, which is awesome seeing Twitter spaces and Pounding on and get involved in. Yeah, soon. I've done a few. Yeah. <laughs> I never really, never really knew what it was. It's like I've been asked to do one. It's like oh, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to jump on that as well. Just sort of get into the community on Twitter a bit more. Do it. Just yeah. think it is working together. It's just because we all have the same goal. It's just exactly yeah together. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. So how? Sort of looking forward. Obviously, you got your your going to Columbia coming up, and that I'm guessing that's going to be your main sort of focus for the rest of this year i um i've actually got a couple of conferences i'm going to be speaking at in roswell as well this year so 
First one's coming up in March. It's the UFO Expo put on by uh, Tom Reed. So I'm doing a virtual presentation at that. But then at the end of June, I'm actually flying out to to Albuquerque to meet up with some of the guys there to then go to this Roswell incident conference for three days and do a full stage presentation and talk on kind of pretty much on Columbia. I might fit in a little bit of Calvin if 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 I decide to. But yeah, so that's going to be interesting to go to kind of Roswell, the mecca of this this subject, you know, where it, it all really started for a lot of people. So that's that's going to be incredible to see. So yeah. Lots, lots of things. Cool. And we've talked about hopefully see you at Armanicon in Guaranteed. October. I will well. always be there, definitely, 100%. That, I was so was gutted when I couldn't. I, I just, I, you know, I got COVID a couple of days before and I was just like, I, you couldn't, oh, yeah, I was so, so upset. It was, it was horrible. That was a good day. Cool. I think that's about it i think any more questions from you greg anything no, you want to mention? no no it's been great to have a a conversation it's always good to have a, like a like a, an open forum conversation like like i said me and ash don't really script any questions really we just have an idea of what we're going to talk about and then to see where it goes so it's, it always feels like a more natural conversation so it's and it's always good to like spend an hour just talking to an expert in the field so thank you very much for your <laughs> your time coming Definitely on not an expert but i was you always, I was, you, you always use that to like <laughs> don't call me but i agree with you those conversations genuinely are the best when they're sort of more yeah. natural and they just flow you know obviously with my uh, youtube stuff and the interviews it's i have to be prepared with questions but 100 percent. i like it i like it when the, they go off in tangents because that's when the the information comes you see the person relax no, uh, and become themselves more naturally so yeah completely agree that was a fascinating wonderful conversation so thank you Excellent. So where can we find Disclosure Team? Um, I'd say the best place to go would be, well, go and find me on, let's go Instagram, which is Disclosure underscore Team. And then in my bio there is my all my links link where you can then go and find everything else because otherwise I'd be here for hours trying to tell you all these <laughs> links and I can't even remember most of them. So yeah, go to Instagram, Disclosure underscore Team. Nice one. Well, thank you again, Vinny. Been a great chat, and we thank look you. forward to seeing what happens in Columbia this year. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.